Welcome to Kentucky History and Haunts. I'm Jesse Bartholomew, and today I have a good old-fashioned ghost story. It takes place in our state capital of Frankfurt. It's one that some of you all may have heard of before, but it's about Liberty Hall, and there is one ghost at Liberty Hall that you've probably heard of called the Gray Lady. She is definitely the most popular, most famous ghost there, but there are actually others. She's not the only one hanging out there. So I'm going to talk about all of these ghosts, but to fully understand them, we have to go back to the beginning. So we're going to talk about the construction of Liberty Hall, and then I'll talk about the families who lived there over the years. And we'll get into the tragedy that struck and just all the different things that led up to the ghosts who are there today. So to do that, we have to go all the way back to 1796, when Kentucky's first U.S. Senator, John Brown, bought some land in Frankfurt, and he spent the next four years planning and constructing Liberty Hall, which is one of the oldest brick homes in Frankfurt, and it's named after Liberty Hall Academy in Virginia, which was a school founded by his father. He moved into the building in 1800, and shortly after that, he moved in uh, his new wife, Margareta, and their first son, Mason. Brown was 15 years older than his wife, which usually I'm like, God damn it, because that means she was probably like 16 when they got married. But in this case, I think she was 25 when they met, so I'm okay with that. That's okay. Both consenting adults. So anyway, um, Brown ended up living at Liberty Hall for 41 years, which is a realtor's worst nightmare. Um, fun aside, Margareta's father was a Presbyterian minister and had been George Washington's chaplain at West Point. We don't know for sure who helped design the building, but it's rumored that it may have been Thomas Jefferson. Uh, Brown and Jefferson were close friends, and it was very well built for the time. And Margareta decorated the inside with furnishings brought back from Paris by her brother-in-law, James Brown, who at the time was the U.S. ambassador to France. So she was decorating the inside beautifully, and the exterior was very stately. And then they just spent the next decade adding to the property. They built a carriage house, an outhouse, chicken coops, and slave cabins. The property was on the Kentucky River, so they also added boat docks. Now, in 1804, Margareta Brown wrote specifically that they did not have slaves, but other accounts say that they, quote, borrowed or rented other people's slaves. So, not really sure why Mrs. Brown wrote that they didn't. According to the Liberty Hall website, quote, 1806 tax records show two black men among John's property, and the 1810 census listed nine slaves in Senator Brown's household. By 1830, the number of enslaved people had increased to 13. And then, quote, when John's sons Mason and Orlando became adults, they too became slaveholders. In 1833, two years before his home was built, Orlando was taxed for seven slaves and Mason was taxed for one. 
after their parents' deaths in 1837 and 38, both sons continued to add slaves to their households. Like many Kentuckians, Mason and Orlando supported the Union during the Civil War, but continued to hold people in bondage. So, to be clear, they were a family of slave owners. Just for the record, it kind of bothered me that she wrote that they weren't. Anyway, well-known figures such as Andrew Jackson, Aaron Burr, James Monroe, and Zachary Taylor were among the guests at Liberty Hall. Um, It was at the time considered the most lavish house in the frontier. Now, the Browns had two more sons, but both of them died as infants, and after that, Margareta went into a deep depression. And then shortly after that, John Brown lost his attempt at a second term in the Senate. So things are starting to be not so great. And then in 1807, they have a daughter who they name Euphemia, but she passed away in 1814. Now, Euphemia had a high fever, and they treated her illness with mercury chloride, which was common at the time, but they believe she may have overdosed on it, and that was actually the cause of death, which is really sad. So they've lost three children, and he's lost a second term in the Senate. He starts to focus his efforts more on local business and things like that. Um, And then when he's in his 70s, he decided to or decided how he was going to divide his assets so in the year 1830 they decided their younger son Orlando would inherit one house while Mason would inherit Liberty Hall. John Brown passed away in 1837 and Margareta died the following year. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now we fast forward to 1934. John Brown's great-granddaughter, Mary Mason Scott, passed away and left the home to her brother, John Matthew Scott. But after living there for a very short while, he was like, this is way too much upkeep. It does not make sense for me to live here. So he sold Liberty Hall to a nonprofit the very next year, in 1935. And two years after that, it was opened as a house museum. Now, I'm a little confused about this time period because it does say that another resident of the hall, um, Anne Horde Brown, lived there until she passed away in 1955. And I'm not sure if it's a coincidence that her last name is Brown or if she's actually a distant relative. Um, But anyway, that's what it said is that the last resident there passed away in 1955. Anyway... This is when the building was taken over by the National Society of the Colonial Dames of America in the Commonwealth of Kentucky, which is just a mouthful of a name. So this is when Liberty Hall officially turned into Liberty Hall Historic Site. And ghosts have pretty much been hanging around 
the building throughout all the changes. So now we're going to go back to 1817, which is 17 years after John Brown originally moved in. John and Mrs. Brown lost a child that year, and Mrs. Brown's aunt, Margaret Varick, traveled from New York to console the family. Now, this is, might get confusing because there's Margareta, who is John's wife, and then there's Margaret, who is Margareta's aunt. So, um, Margareta's mom died when she was young, I think, so Aunt Margaret was more like a mother figure to her. Um, and she was an elderly woman when she made this trip down from New York to console her grieving family. And she actually died of a heart attack in one of the upstairs bedrooms in Liberty Hall shortly after her arrival. First, they buried her in a plot in a garden on the property. Then she was later moved to a larger cemetery in Frankfurt, although the exact location of her grave is unknown. So just a few years later, guests started seeing a small woman in a gray dress who's become known as the Gray Lady. And she's actually said to be a calming presence, so she's not like a spooky, ominous trickster ghost. She's a cool ghost. And there's also reports that she performs chores around the house, which I'm like, hey, sign me up. People usually see her in her bedroom where she passed away or near the staircase. In the 1920s, Mary Mason Scott, the great-granddaughter, said she used to sleep in what used to be Margaret's bedroom and felt a presence, someone standing next to the bed. She said it was an elderly woman with a kind face looking down at her. And Mary later told her friends that she believed Margaret Varick was using her as a medium to guide people to the woman's unmarked grave. In more recent years, a college professor had conducted a six-week investigation at Liberty Hall, hadn't really come up with anything, I'm sure was very frustrated and then said that on either the last night or one of the last nights he was there, he woke up to the feeling of this gentle touch. And when he woke up, there was an elderly woman smiling at him, much like the experience Mary Mason Scott had decades earlier. There's also a photograph that was taken during a restoration of Liberty Hall where you can see it's really cool. I mean, you can really see the outline of a woman on the staircase, which I will post it on the Instagram. Now, since the NSCDA took it over in 1955, they've had a number of strange encounters. Um, So I guess some of the employees actually live there. One was living above the kitchen, taking a bath when she heard the heavy bathroom door kind of slam shut. And she said she believed that this was Margaret protecting her privacy, which I just I think that's so cute. It's so, so funny. Um, another person staying there said their music box started playing on its own. And the same woman who snapped the photo of the ghost on the staircase also one morning found three gold bracelets on her nightstand. And they were obviously old. And I would be so excited about this. Um, So she checked the inventory of all the historic items in the hall, and the bracelets were not on the list. So she took them to a jeweler who determined that they were from New York, 
which is where Aunt Margaret was from. So guests have also said they've been tucked into bed by a ghost figure and that they've woken up to folded blankets and mended clothing, which is, it's just so nice. They don't make ghosts like that anymore. In 1965, there was a fire at Liberty Hall, which destroyed a hallway and ruined some antique furniture, which is a big bummer. But some men volunteered to stay at the hall in the following days because they were worried that it was going to be vandalized since I guess it was easier to get into at that time. So for some reason, the men climbed into the attic on the first night, which like, no thank you. And, of course, the door slammed shut behind them. So they ran downstairs and were sure that when they did, they closed the door behind them, but later in the evening noticed that it had been opened again. This happened again over the next two nights, and on the last night that they stayed there, they said they heard eerie cries, moans, and groans. Spooky. But besides that, they're just your run-of-the-mill ghost spooks, like rocking chairs swaying on their own, and many people have said they feel a presence during the night. Um, And then lots of people have also seen the gray lady appear in windows while, you know, they're standing outside. So there's also a ghost who hangs out around the exterior of Liberty Hall, and this one is not a calming presence that smiles at her guests. So in 1805, very shortly after they moved in, they had a Spanish opera singer stay with them. She was in Frankfurt for a performance, and since Liberty Hall was super fancy, they were like, you have to come and stay here afterwards. So she stayed at Liberty Hall, and they threw her a big party, and everything was hunky-dory, until she went out for some fresh air. And guys, ask the host of Morbid Podcast, Fresh Air is for Dead People. Shout out Ash and Elena. Go listen to Morbid. So this opera singer went out for a little walk halfway through the party, and she was never seen again. People assume that she was abducted by Indians or that she fell into the river and drowned, although they never found a body. But since then, folks have reported seeing a beautiful woman running through the grounds, which would stress me out. And instead of a warm smile, her mouth is said to be frozen open as if she died screaming. So that's unpleasant. Now, the last ghost is sad. A soldier in the War of 1812 fell in love with a member of the Brown family who was living at Liberty Hall. And... Basically, the young woman said, thanks, but no thanks. And he was devastated. And then he had to go fight in the war. And he died. So now legend has it that you might catch a glimpse of this ghost peering into the windows of Liberty Hall, searching for his lost love. Breaks my heart. Now, according to the internet, Liberty Hall is temporarily closed for the winter. It says it reopens on March 15th. You can take an hour-long guided tour for $9, and you can schedule that right now on libertyhall.org, which is where you can also go to find out all sorts of other information about Liberty Hall. They have an awesome library on the second floor. It looks amazing. 
Um, I can't wait to go take a tour of the place. So check out libertyhall.org. And then I also used for this episode the book Myths and Mysteries of Kentucky by Mimi O'Malley and Susan Sawyer and Haunted Kentucky by Alan Brown. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Thank you all so much for listening to another episode of Kentucky History and Haunts. After I finished recording this episode, I came across the weirdest little fact, and I was like, I gotta mention this. So I was looking at their family life thing on Wikipedia, and apparently they named the first son that died Alfred. And then when they got pregnant and had another son, they named it Alfred again. I don't, is that a thing? Because I hate that. I feel like if you have a child and it dies, you don't name another child the same name. Maybe I'm crazy. I don't know. Send me an email and tell me. kyhistoryhaunts at gmail.com. I actually did this episode on a listener request. I'm so excited about that, guys. So if there's anything you all want me to cover, let me know. Send me a DM on Instagram at kyhistoryhaunts. Follow the Facebook, Kentucky History and Haunts, and I am looking forward to sharing something with you again very, very soon. Thanks.